Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and this is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. Welcome. Well, It seems we're still fighting for our democracy. Some might say we have been since the end of World War II, but in 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic lockdowns, with millions of Americans doubting the science of simply wearing masks, and the honesty of bipartisan local election officials being criticized and even threatened, who actually count the votes, by the way, After more Americans voted than ever before for presidential candidates, we are as far apart as we have ever been since our Civil War, and part of our peaceful transition of government hangs in the balance in two Georgia senatorial runoff elections. Of course, this certainly isn't just about Georgia, nor even just about Atlanta, Georgia, but It's about our 2020 elections proving that our democracy needs the number of American voters to continually increase, especially in areas where voting has always been selectively challenged by Jim Crow, gerrymandering, misleading mail, and, of course, closing polling places without or with little warning to the voters. So naturally, I invited Andrea Miller who is the executive director of People Demanding Action, a multi-issue advocacy group, a non-profit that promotes clean energy in Virginia and nationwide. Andrea is a former congressional candidate, a fierce advocate of social energy, climate change, and via the Center for Common Ground, is consistently advocating for fair voting practices, reclaiming our vote, and organizing for justice. And in our 2018 elections, Andrea designed and developed virtual phone banks for outreach to underrepresented voters in Virginia, Alabama, and Pennsylvania. So welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Radio News Program, Andrea Miller. How are you today? Well, good morning, March. Hello. I am doing very, very well. 
very well indeed. I'm glad to hear that because I know you've been busy. We haven't talked in quite a while. I, I, I don't think, you know, we've talked since uh, the last time we talked on radio because I know what your schedule is like during any election. But what about, <laughs> let's, let's touch on the election itself for a moment. Joe Biden is elected, everyone thinks, except those who think like Trump. And, but what do you think is behind the real motivation behind Trump's contesting this vote? Well, there are several states that are very, very interested in trying him for various crimes. Mm -hmm. So the city of Washington, D.C., the Southern District of New York State, among others. And so they determined that a sitting president could not stand trial. Mm. So as long as he's a sitting president, he can't be tried for his various criminal activity. Once he is no longer president, then he can be tried. If he had another four years, the statute of limitations would have run out. Yes, yes. In the meantime, he's collecting a lot of money from well-meaning people who think they're giving to a good cause. But okay, today we happen to be pre-recording Andrea Miller, our guest today, on Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th. It is also the deadline for registering to vote in Georgia's U.S. Senate runoff election. With all eyes on Georgia's incumbent Republican Senators David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler possibly being defeated by Democrats John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock, will Georgia's voters, particularly black voters, turn the U.S. Senate blue? And how are you and the Center for Common Ground involved? Well, basically, we never look at is something going to be blue, red, or anything. What we look at is will voters be able to vote? Hmm. So we had many, many, many interesting circumstances arrive in the 2020 election. The pandemic may turn out especially challenging. And what was very, very interesting was when we look at vote by mail, mm. it was 69-31 Democrats to Republicans. So normally it's the other way around. Mm. Normally vote by mail is something that is definitely a Republican turnout strategy. And for whatever reason, this cycle, mainly because of all the attempts to cripple the Postal Service, mm. they told everybody, don't vote by mail. Go and early vote and vote on Election Day. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what people did. Democrats on the other side took advantage of vote by mail meaning they requested their vote-by-mail ballots, but most didn't mail them back. Mm. Some did, those that received them very early. A lot of people took advantage of drop 
where they were able to just drop off their ballot at any drop box in their county. And many people actually returned them directly to the county registrar. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know any sane, reasonable person knows how it has turned out with well, the result of that. We, but we're now hearing a great deal, of course, about Stacey Abrams and Atlanta, Georgia. But I wonder, what about Georgia's 159 counties? I know you've told us about this before, where towns look pretty much like the way they looked in the middle of the 20th century. Are these people, uh, I mean, the people in rural areas, are they voting? Do they do they have cable or Internet service so they can hear about stuff? How, how do you get reach them? Well, what's very, very interesting is that we work predominantly in the Georgia Black Belt area. So, in other words, that is the rural area of Georgia, whereas most of the progressive groups are located and working in Atlanta. So, Atlanta really consists of four main counties, Cobb, Fulton, DeKalb, Gwinnett. Those are really the main counties around what we think of as the city of Atlanta. Mm. It, it, it's multiple counties. And then we also consider Clayton, Douglas, Forsyth, kind of outer Atlanta. Mm. We work down in like Houston and Peach and many of those other counties that are further south and further west. And in those counties, very few groups are there. Well, then those counties obviously need the center of common ground. They certainly did, and the people who live in those counties did turn out and vote. They really, really did. How do you and the volunteers for the Center for Common Ground reach 2.7 million community of color voters in Georgia's smaller cities and rural areas? How, How do you do that? I mean, I'm assuming only because in other states, including Virginia, I've been told by guests that uh, in rural areas, there still is not high-speed internet and very often not cable television. I'm just wondering, without those, maybe it's a good thing not to have those with all the negative ads, but how do you reach people who live in these areas? Well, what we do is we have the voter file. So we sent postcards to all 2.7 million community of color voters in Georgia. Mm. And our postcards just reminded voters that there was going to be a runoff election on January 5th. And we said, this is where you're going to be able to go to get information on when you can vote, where you can vote. So we did that. And early voting starts on December 14th. We started writing those postcards back in October because we knew that there was going to be a Senate runoff in Georgia. We had to change our script because there ended up being two Senate runoffs in Georgia. 
Yes, and to make clear, if I haven't, that you, of course, were already involved in Georgia long before the election, let alone the, the runoff. It's fascinating to hear, even though some of the things we've discussed before, but it's always the updates are amazing to me. Maybe some of us don't realize, like any election, and you've mentioned this, voters have to register for a runoff election, just like they do any other election. And today, as I mentioned earlier, December 7th, is the, isn't the, the last day you can register for the runoff? Yes, today is the very last day that Georgia voters, if they are not registered, can register to vote. So you don't have to register every year. You only need to register if, A, you've never been registered before, or like a million voters in Georgia, you were previously registered, and because you are an inconsistent voter, you've been kicked off the rolls. Now, I know we've talked about that before, but it bears repeating. Explain that to us, how one gets kicked off the eligibility to vote rolls, because that doesn't just happen in Georgia. Well, most states have a rule about how frequently you must vote to remain on their voter rolls. Most people, when they register to vote, mistakenly believe that once you register to vote, as long as you don't die or move, you are going to remain registered to vote. That is so not true. Mm. Most states have a rule, and this is what they call their file maintenance rule, that if you do not vote, and it varies wildly, that if you miss two federal elections, three federal elections, in Virginia it's four, Mm. it can be anywhere from two elections to four federal elections, Hmm. they will then remove you from the voting rolls. For instance, in Texas, Georgia, and North Carolina, those states are two federal elections. Hmm. If you miss two federal elections, so we're saying you don't vote, they're going to move you to unregistered status. Now, you're still going to be on the voting rolls, but if you show up to vote, you're unregistered. So they're either A, not going to let you vote, or B, give you a provisional ballot because you're unregistered. Now, if you miss another election, they are going to actually dump you off the voter rolls. So For groups like mine who do voter registration, we look up all the unregistered voters. You no longer even appear on that list. We have to buy lists of people who have been totally dumped off the voter rolls to be able to find you. And a lot of these folks don't know that they are no longer registered. So say an election like 2020, people go, oh, I'm going to go vote in that election. That's important. They show up to vote. They're not registered. Some counties may just flat out turn them away. You're not on our list of registered voters. I'm sorry, you can't vote. 
other counties may give them a provisional ballot, but then it won't be counted because only registered voters have the ability to vote. Notice I did not use the word right. I used the word ability. Yes. And as we always point out, voting is a privilege just like driving is a privilege. It's not. Yes. It's by no means guaranteed in the Constitution, neither is driving, for that matter, of course. Right. And you've got to protect it by doing it. How about that? I- uh, yes. And you also can protect it by monitoring your voter registration status because sometimes people accidentally get removed from the voter rolls where they get confused with another person who just happens to have the same name. Exactly. All right. This um, this is all good. It always is with you, Andrea Miller. We're going to take a short break. Our guest today is Andrea Miller. We're talking about just one of the latest of her advocacy actions and the Georgia Senate runoff. We'll be right back to hear more about the Center for Common Ground and Andrea Miller and Georgia and the special runoff, which is January 5th. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I guarantee you are going to learn something you had no idea was going on. Take care. Stay with us now. Welcome to the Andy Fell Minute. In history class, most of us learned that the Civil War ended the institution of slavery in America. The 13th Amendment declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should be legal in the land, except as a punishment for crime. It is this conspicuous loophole that award-winning director Ava DuVernay explores in her blistering documentary, 13th. Through a series of interviews with academics, businessmen, and politicians from both sides of the aisle, along with horrific historical photographs and modern video footage, 13th makes the case that slavery never disappeared in America. It only changed form. First with the Jim Crow laws of the South, then in the 80s as the war on drugs, and now with the disproportionate mass incarceration of black Americans. The subject matter is difficult, but DuVernay has edited the film so as to make it impossible to turn away. There are no moments of silence, no places to catch your breath. Hip-hop lyrics punctuate the film's segments, relentless in their plea for justice. If ever a film deserved to become required viewing across America, it would be 13th. Watch it tonight. 13th. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. Our guest today is Andrea Miller for the Center for Common Ground, very much involved in all elections and in getting out the vote and protecting the vote. I wanted to talk with her today because this day, Monday, December 7th, is the last day to register, if you are not a registered voter, in the runoff elections for U.S. Senate in the state of Georgia. And, of course, Andrea has already been very much involved in that, even before the presidential elections, and, of course, now still I wonder about DeKalb County, and you mentioned it earlier in the show. There were high expectations, but those expectations weren't met. What happened? Well, that whole Atlanta 
region. We'll start with DeKalb because you asked about it specifically. All right, now I'm going to ask your listeners, don't let your eyes glaze over Mm -hmm. because I'm going to give you some numbers. Numbers are important when you're talking about voting. Yes. Voting is all about numbers. All right, now, in DeKalb County, there are 546,711 registered voters. All right, so that's how many people were on the books in that one county to be able to vote Democrat, Republican, or Independent, whatever they wanted to do. Mm. Now, 173,367 people in that county said, you know what, we're not going to vote for anybody at all, and Mm. they didn't show up. That was the big surprise in DeKalb County, Mm. the number of voters who did not turn out. All right? Now, when we look at DeKalb County, yes, DeKalb County, it is a southern city. Mm. It is also uh, racially 376,000 African Americans, 230,000 white, 68,000 Hispanic, 35,000 Asian. So when we look at that county, it is a community of color county, Mm. and it did choose to vote for Biden, or John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock. But again, nearly 175,000 people stayed home. Wow. And that's one county. Goodness. So if, wow. Well, I guess then there's a special push uh, to get them. Do they, are they now motivated, do you think, when they see here we are, you know, everything's being contested and we've got two runoff Elections coming up on January 5th. Is anyone checking their pulse? Well, there are, again, there are a number of groups that are headquartered in Atlanta. You had mentioned Stacey Abrams. She is actually in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and all of her groups are headquartered there. People were surprised by DeKalb. Fulton, which isn't that, well, Fulton is significantly bigger than DeKalb. In Fulton, 278,000 people stayed home. Wow. Yeah. So in Atlanta, 400,000 people who could have voted didn't. And that's just the five counties that basically form city of Atlanta. 400,000, nearly half a million voters did not show up. How do you motivate, especially even though they didn't show up for the presidential election, but how do you motivate anyone right after such a big contentious election? Now you have to come back to the polls and vote again by January 5th. I I know there's a certain amount, I, I would assume, there's a certain amount, you correct me, of generations of oppression, that memory of not being heard or even seen or thought about or valued 
what do you do? Tell us about those postcards you send and the phone calls and the texts and the billboards. Well, it's very, very interesting because what we saw in the primary, now again, primaries and generals are very different things. Mm. Georgia's primary was in June, and by the time Georgia had her primary, the presidential primary had been decided long ago. Mm. So Georgia's primary was more about the Georgia Senate and various down-ballot races. So what we saw in the primary was we saw the older voters. We saw the civil rights era voters. Mm. We saw those voters turning out, but the young voters, not so much. In the November election, we saw a big surge among young voters. Mm. So the young voters turned out for the presidential election. Basically, 2020 was a presidential year. And yeah, there were other races on the ticket, but it was basically the presidential election. Yes. Young voters turned out for that. The expectation we were looking at an average turnout in a lot of the Atlanta counties of 65% on the low end up to 72% on the high end. Mm. The expectation of turnout on a runoff election is normally 15%. I knew it yeah. was low. Now, I didn't know it that, was that low. Uh, right, right, right. It It is sub-basement. Now, this is a statewide runoff, and this runoff is for control of the U.S. Senate. So we will definitely get, I'm expecting, more than a 15% turnout. The so. question becomes, how much bigger? Do we get to 50% or higher? Well, that certainly would raise eyebrows, that's for sure. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. Well, I, I keep going back to this because, again, I've had, as I've said, I've had guests who, who've spoken about not Georgia, but other states that the rural areas don't have internet, they don't have cable. In some cases, transportation is a nightmare. But if the young people are moving away from the rural areas is a question. Are they moving into the larger cities so they are on the internet? Or maybe it's not an or, but your postcards. How do you measure that while it's going on? You can't measure the impact of postcards while it's going on. Yeah. If you are postcarding for voter registration, yes, you can look for an uptick in registration in rural counties. And that is exactly what happened. When you are doing postcarding, as we are doing now, for get out the vote, Mm -hmm. We are not really going to be able to see that uptick until the election. Yes. We saw a tremendous uptick in the rural counties for this election. Some of our smaller rural counties 
we were looking at 67% turnout. Normally, they're not that high. Some counties, Peach County, 70% mm. turnout. So in the rural counties, we saw really high turnout. I'm looking at my map. Most of my rural counties are at 70 percent turnout or at least all the ones where we worked they are at 70 percent turnout now in many instances that's not a lot of voters Mm. but the voters that were there they came out and they voted well i think it's safe to say that what you are doing is working then because Yes. Uh, yes. Those so for instance, I'm looking at a rural county, Chattahoochee. Mm-hmm. We did no turnout in Chattahoochee County at all. Their turnout percentage was 40%. Mm. Whereas if we look at Stewart County, where we did turnout, their turnout was 69.34. Wow. Okay. Randolph County was 71. Well, obviously what you are doing and the Center for Common Ground and all the work of the volunteers is working. I wonder what what's your takeaway? Well, how do you feel about 5 million Georgians voting in the presidential election? That's a million more than in the 2018 governor's race. Is that What do you say and about that? That was middle Georgia coming out. Uh Again, organizations that are Atlanta-based generally do not have, and this is true of all states, if the organization is headquartered in the big city. Mm. That's true in Virginia. There is normally very little infrastructure once you get out to rural. So, we postcarded. We made phone calls. They may not have internet, but they do have landlines. Mm. We called them. In some areas, there is mobile service. So we were able to text people. And then we also bought billboards. Mm. And again, for the January runoff, I have billboards big digital 36, 48 feet wide billboards Mm. that are high up in the sky going, yo, there's a Georgia Senate runoff race. Early voting starts December 14th. Go to bit.ly slash Georgia dash early dash voting. Figure out where you vote and when you vote. Excellent. It must be, I mean, I'm sure there are frustrations and disappointments but and surprises, but it must be so exhilarating, just listening to you, so rewarding to know that you can do what you are doing with billboards and texts and, you know, you, you're finding them, you're reaching them whatever way it takes. And these billboards, when I read about that the first time, the idea that people who may not be able to be reached or they're ignored and people are not trying to reach them. And you come along with these billboards to just spell it out. And I just love it. And the fact that you can update the billboards, all of that. And someone made a comment. He said, 
we shouldn't refer to a lot of the rural voters and even urban voters as low information voters. These are low to no investment voters, meaning the parties haven't made an investment in outreach to these communities. So we are partnered with the Atlanta NAACP, the New Georgia Project, Black Voters Matter, and we are making phone calls and sending text messaging and even doing social distancing door knocking. Now, I also don't know if you are familiar with the notorious RVG. We have an RV that was in Georgia and will be going back on December 14th for the start of early voting. Mm. That RV, it's a 27-foot RV. It's painted basically pink and turquoise blue. And on the sides, it talks about vote equality. And on the back, it's got our big purple vote your power. Mm. So it's kind of pinky purplish. And <laughs> it goes and joins what we call voter caves. There's a lot of local John R. Lewis marches for voting rights. So the RV gets invited to participate in those, we call them voter caves, because the young people will be marching in front with the banner, mm. and then the big RV will be driving along behind. Excellent. And I'm glad you made that point. Uh, thanks for correcting me. I, I know I gave that impression, but I am aware of that. It's not that these, while there are constraints put on certain rural areas, it's not that they don't want to be involved. It's that they've been ignored. And certainly by both of the major parties, they've been taken for granted. And right. and now, but when you reach out to them, which which is another thing, maybe we should make this point. In addition to the Republican Party and the Democratic Party ignoring the rural America, the way that the advertising is done by the big parties, the two big parties, doesn't reach them because they don't speak to them. Right. What do they want to well, hear? How, how do they need to be approached? Yes, there are three big issues in rural America. Health care. When we look at rural America, this is the area where you are far more likely to find they don't have a hospital. Mm. When you look at where a lot of the COVID outbreaks were, a lot of the COVID outbreaks were in these black rural counties, mm. and people needed to travel an hour to two hours to get to a hospital. Yes. That is a huge problem. Georgia also is a state that did not expand Medicaid. So there are no hospitals, there are very few clinics, and the medical professionals are pretty much in the larger cities, not out in the rural areas. And again, many of the people that live in the rural areas, these folks are older. They've been there for generations. Remember the black belt in any state? This is where the plantations were 
and if there were plantations, there were slaves. Yes. When slavery ended, it's not like everybody that was a former slave suddenly packed their bags and headed to New York. Mm. Most people stayed right where they were, and many folks in these rural black belt areas can literally go back five, six generations to their ancestors being a part of that county or town. Wow. Number two, jobs. There aren't jobs in many of these rural areas. Again, where are the factories, the warehouses, the hospitals, all the places that would hire a lot of employees and at least in theory pay a living wage. Hmm. They're all in the cities where the cost of living is so much higher. Hmm. So there are predominantly low wage jobs out in the rural areas. And then finally, internet. And we really are feeling that absence of rural broadband with many of the schools being closed and students having to do their schoolwork, homework, literally classwork on the Internet. So what do you do if there is no Internet where you live? Now you have to try to take your children somewhere where there is internet. Mm. So rural broadband is a huge, huge issue. Yes. There's also, everybody talks about the two Senate races. There's also a public service commissioner race. Mm -hmm. Public service commissioner. Well, that's your utility rates, water and electricity, and also that is, are we as a state or as a region going to be putting a priority on rural broadband? Mm -hmm. Well, Andrea, again, it is so enlightening. The things we just don't think about. Many of the areas we're talking about in Georgia where you and, and the Center for Common Ground is, are working to get out the vote and to give people the information they need so they can vote resemble what they were. They've changed very little since the middle of the 20th century. And to reach into that and be of help you've just explained so we know what that means it's not being able to get to a hospital for heaven's sake my point is is that you you paint the picture so very clearly for us to understand that it's a whole different america when you get out of the big cities Uh, and the education the, the challenge when you don't have internet today and and schools are closed Tell us about how we can reach out to you, to the Center for Common Ground, website, contact information, how do voters find out if they're registered, how do we reach out, how do we get involved with the Center of Common Ground and with all the work that you are doing? Well, one of the things that you can do is if you are willing to make phone calls, 
we do phone bank training every Monday, and now we're doing it on Saturday mm. so that people can call voters. Now, again, we are calling community of color voters in Georgia. We are not selling them candidates. We are letting them know that there is an election. We are giving them the knowledge on how they can go to find out where they vote. DeKalb County finally announced where their early vote centers were going to be. So we help people where that is. We remind them they're going to need to have their photo ID. And we just want to make it possible for people to vote. We don't get into who they are or aren't going to vote for. We just want to make certain that as a voter, they feel empowered that I know where to go. Mm. If people tell us they want to vote by mail, well, have you already ordered your vote by mail ballot if you didn't you're a little late that ship has almost sailed mm. because you're going to have to mail in the request to request the application they're going to have to mail the application you're going to have to fill out the application they're going to need to mail the ballot we don't have time for that so if you haven't already asked for your ballot then plan on early voting, beat the crowds. So we will tell people where they go to find out. Well, again, I can just tell you it's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash G-A dash early dash vote. And it's all small letters. So you can just go there and then choose your county and it will say these are all the locations in the county and these are the dates and times that they are open not all locations in any given county are open on the same dates nor are they all open at the same time hmm. so would... you're going to need to go to the website and check okay give us that website one more time please all right, that website is bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash G-A dash early dash vote. Okay, excellent. All right, and the Center for Common Ground? If you want a phone bank with us, I'm going to give you an email address. Okay. Phone banks. And that's plural. Phone banks at reclaimourvote.org. Okay. All right, Andrea Miller, as always, you are a wealth of information, and you, and as I've always say, you tell it to us not only like it is, but you <laughs> tell it to us so that we who don't do what you do every day or even twice a month can understand. All right. We've been talking with Andrea Miller, or more importantly, we've been listening to and learning from Andrea Miller, my good friend and political mentor for years. She's still at it. She's still helping Americans enjoy the privilege, not the right, the privilege to vote. Andrea Miller, any final words for our audience? Only 
2020 was probably one of our most amazing election years in history. Mm. It's really critical. Once we elect people, now we need to make sure that whatever promises they made while they were running to get elected, that they keep those promises. So 2021 will be the year of holding elected officials uh, accountable. And for those of us who live in Virginia, 2021 will be the year that our entire House of Delegates is up for re-election, election, and our entire statewide ticket, governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general are up for election. Okay. All right, then. It's been an absolute pleasure. We, of course, wish you all the best in all that you're doing in all the various organizations that help get out the vote and educate the voter and and protect their privilege on their behalf. Thank you so very much, Andrea Miller. We wish you all the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk more often, I always say, and sometimes we do, but it's been too long. Let's not wait this long again, okay? All right. right. Thank you, Marcello. My pleasure. Bye now. And now, from WatchFireMusic.com, vocal artist Jenny Burton, singing Who Will Heal the World. Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Usually at this point in our programs, I read something I have written. But in this new year, 2020, year of impeachment and potential war, potential forever wars, never fought by the men who send our youth, this poem was written by a Marine and sent to a friend of mine, who forwarded it on to me as a veteran, as a patriot, as an American, as a human being. I now share it with you. 
It was the night before Christmas. He lived all alone in a one-bedroom house made of plaster and stone. I had come down the chimney with presents to give and to see just who in this home did live. I looked all about. A strange sight I did see. No tinsel, no presents, not even a tree. No stocking by mantle, just boots filled with sand. On the wall hung pictures of far distant lands. With medals and badges, awards of all kinds, a sober thought came through my mind. For this house was different. It was dark and dreary. I found the home of a soldier, once I could see clearly. The soldier lay sleeping, silent, alone, curled up on the floor in this one-bedroom home. The face was gentle, the room in such disorder, not how I pictured a United States soldier. Was this the hero of whom I just read, curled up on a poncho, the floor, for a bed? I realized the families that I saw this night owed their lives to these soldiers who were willing to fight. Soon round the world the children would play and grown-ups would celebrate a bright Christmas day. They all enjoyed freedom each month of the year because of the soldiers like the one lying here. I couldn't help wonder how many lay alone on a Christmas Eve in a land far from home. The very thought brought a tear to my eye. I dropped my knees and started to cry. The soldier awakened, and I heard a rough voice. Santa, don't cry. This life is my choice. I fight for freedom. I don't ask for more. My life is my God, my country, my core. The soldier rolled over and drifted to sleep. I couldn't control it. I continued to weep. I kept watch for hours, so silent and still, and we both shivered from the cold night's chill. I didn't want to leave on that cold, dark night, this guardian of honor so willing to fight. Then the soldier rolled over with a voice soft and pure, whispered, Carry on, Santa, it's Christmas Day, all is secure. One look at my watch, and I knew he was right. Merry Christmas, my friend and to all a good night. This poem was written by a Marine. The following is his request. I think it is reasonable. Please do your part to plant this seed of kindness instead of rancor, of unity instead of chaos, and of world peace instead of war. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.